Welcome to Sunday Night Dinner, a podcast that cooks. I'm Suzanne Hancock. Sunday dinner was like the day that my mom started cooking early. That's Suzanne Barr, chef and owner of Saturday Dinette, the popular, welcoming, super delicious restaurant on Girard, a busy street in downtown Toronto. Her Sundays growing up were big cooking days, and they still are. Sunday brunch at the dinette usually involves a lineup out the door. Suzanne's going to make her mom's Dutch apple pie, a dish she hasn't made in a long time, but one that brings back all kinds of memories of her childhood. Growing up in South Florida, you know, even though I'm, I'm Canadian by birth, we grew up, I grew up in South Florida, and Sunday morning waking up, maybe we did breakfast, maybe we just kind of have food on the stove, but then it was the afternoon, one o'clock mark, seasoning, marinating the chicken, then prepping potatoes, whatever the fixings that were going to be with the meal, getting it ready, starting the smells would begin. And then by five o'clock, it was like everything was in the oven. Everything was either being rewarmed or finished. Table was being set and we sat in the big table, the good table as we called it. (laughs) And um, it was the one time that TV was off. Music was always in the background and we just talked. It was it was our it was our family time. It mm. really was our family time. Amazing. And do you have a sort of ritual like that now? What is Sunday night for you now? Sunday night for me now, you know, being that it's myself, my son and my husband, I think we are desperately trying to 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 start our own routine. What we have started to do is just the three of us. You know, we live in a really small studio apartment, so we don't have a dinner table. We don't have a big table. We don't have the good table. We have our couch. So we're either just the three of us sitting there, maybe watching a cartoon with him, or we're just sitting on the couch, just playing, laughing. There's no roasted chicken happening. There's no salad dressing being made. There's no potato fixings, because I'm, I typically am working on Sundays for brunch, and by the time I get home at six o'clock, we're done. I met Suzanne at the dinette a few days after the US election, and like a lot of people in the world, we were both totally stunned. But she's such a positive person, and after spending a few hours there, the world felt slightly less heavy. The dinette is a feel-good place, it really is. It's so comfortable and open, and it's also a political place. One of the restaurant's walls is dedicated to photos documenting the sit-in movement of the 1960s. The movement which began on February 1st, 1960, when four African-American college students walked up to the whites-only lunch counter at Woolworths in Greensboro, North Carolina, and ordered coffee. When they were refused, they sat patiently waiting. This happened in many locations over the coming year, and when demonstrators were arrested, other groups of people would take their place. There was violent reaction to the sit-ins, and many people were arrested, but slowly restaurants throughout the South began to abandon their outward policies on segregation. It makes the idea of sitting down at a table and eating more profound, more political. Here's Suzanne. It's really funny that when I see people sitting, particularly where we're seated right now, yeah. which is like right next to some of these signs, and 
they have you can see like they first come in and the music's playing and they're like yeah i got a seat i'm good menu water maybe this wine they can see us cooking and then they turn to their right and they're like it's just a physical shift and their whole body language changes they're like you know oh gosh and then maybe they talk amongst each other and in that is what I wanted to kind of really evoke people to kind of just be aware of a part of history. This is what happened. This is a glimpse of what has happened. Um, I have a white husband. I am a Canadian, Jamaican woman. We have a, a mixed child. And what we're doing would have never been allowed. Mm-hmm. Never. It's not something that we should forget about. This is what has happened this is what we created out of that history repeats itself it does you know and i think that's really really the message behind why we decided to put these photographs up suzanne's father was a photographer and she herself loves the art of photography too she has old cameras near the fridge along with some family shots tons of vintage records and the kids book little miss sunshine suzanne was really excited to make this dutch apple pie it brought her right back to Sunday night dinners with her family. It was the pie that we always kind of made, because we always had dessert on for Sunday dinner, because we needed to have dessert. So it just was the one thing I always remember we used to make together, and I loved making pies with her. And um, yeah, it's a good pie. <laughs> but I actually haven't made it, like, honestly, I think I made it one Thanksgiving when I was living in the U.S., but that's it. Like, other than that, I never, ever made it again, like, since with my mom. And, you know, my mom's been gone now, gosh, 15 years. Because she didn't have a recipe. She just was like, okay, this, scoop, ah, mm, peel, ah, mm. and we just did it. Totally improvised. Totally. But it was just, remember seeing my little fingers and her showing me and the flower and patting it down. And it's just like this weird shape, and, but it's so good. <laughs> So those little fingers making pie with her mom and sister eventually became bigger fingers, training at the Natural Gourmet Institute in New York City. From New York, Suzanne moved to Hawaii to train with Beverly Gannon at her restaurant, The General Store. Then she came back to Brooklyn, where she worked at a bistro owned by Chef Abdul Gay. She worked at other restaurants, did some food styling for Martha Stewart, Bobby Flay, and Ina Garten, and then she became a personal chef. So you've worked for a number of female chefs. Yeah. What's it like being a woman in this industry? My personal experience in the industry has two sides. I have worked with men where I think it was a bit of a chauvinistic approach. So, you know, I had that, but then I had another situation where it was it was the chef that I worked with, he wanted to hear my voice. He wanted to hear what I had to say. He shared everything that he could share with me that he knew. And then there was female chefs that would almost, you know, challenge me and and just brush me off to the side and, you know, kind of tell me that, like, this is the one place that you will feel the most secure, which is working in pastry. Settle in, work here, this is where you need to be, which is not necessarily true at all. I 
love pastry, but I don't think it's necessarily where the woman's only position should ever be. I think a woman's position should be where she makes her position to be. My one reoccurring issue or conversation that I feel like I kind of want to bring about is just being a person of color in kitchens. I feel like, you know, our positions are definitely historically always been in the back. And that absence of sight of people of color is something that I don't want to see anymore. And so it's so important that with the the opening of my restaurant and being an open concept restaurant, it was, you're going to see us, you're going to see me, you're going to know that this is my restaurant and that this is um, a space for anyone. When she opened the restaurant, Suzanne already knew that she wanted to create a space that's a safe haven for for girls, for women to cook, to train, to to create food and to understand the benefits of food and eating. So she started the Dinettes program, and now she mentors young women who want to change their lives or kickstart a new career. She's partnered with a number of different organizations who support young women. So we had three young ladies that started with us when we first opened, and it was awesome. It was awesome. It really, really was, because for me, I needed the support. They needed a place to come to. They, we, we did training on pastry, on, on, on menu writing, on working the line. These girls were cooking firsthand. They never cooked before in a professional kitchen, and here they are. They're not just peeling potatoes. They're not just peeling carrots. They're actually cooking. I've now created a relationship with Youth uh, Mission, which is another organization that's based down on on Gerard Street. So they also have a program set up with training. This industry is not going anywhere. And what this industry can bring to anyone that really wants to be a part of it is so much. It, It allows you to travel the world. It allows you to learn life skills that you never would have thought that you learned. Working in a kitchen, working in a restaurant, you know, front or back that confidence that it gives you for someone that comes in that might be a little bit shy, that might be a little bit, you know, uncertain about how to talk to someone, how to give eye contact and what this industry does, hospitality can do for them. You know, for someone that can't afford to go to to culinary school or our training program, but we're doing our part, we're doing what we can. So, uh, yeah. I think being a woman, it's, it's given me a lot, of, a lot of strength. I think for me, the struggle more is just being a mom in the kitchen. <laughs> Making this pie made Suzanne think a lot about her own mom, who passed away a number of years ago. That bond she had with her mom in the kitchen is one Suzanne's developing with her son, Miles, in the dinette. And before we get to chopping apples, I asked her a little more about being a mom and running a restaurant. How did that change when you had your son? How much time did you take off? Uh, I took a month off, actually. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I think about, like, my great-grandmothers and, you know, women and that work were coming up in, in the fields and working and what they must, they didn't have a week month off. They had, like, a day to recover, maybe, and then it was, like, back to whatever your job was. So to me, I'm like, a month? Woo! <laughs> that was a long time. But um, 
It was it was a shocker. It was a real um, life changing experience for me because it was the day we physically opened the restaurant. It's the day I found out I was pregnant, and my whole business plan went out the window because this concept had was really driven by me having big role of being here and being present and creating this menu and that first three four months of, of my first trimester were the worst like I had so much sickness and I was down I was we had to open we had to shut we had to open we had to shut it was just we didn't know it was like a day-to-day like how do I feel today I'm a, I think I can do it my ankles were swollen my I went into labor here you know like I was rolling I'll never I was rolling out meatballs sitting in the in a, on a stool because I was at that point where I couldn't stand anymore and I had that first contraction and it's been hard you know but it's been it's given me so much like he's here now knowing that he's growing up in this restaurant it's nice to to know that I can look at the spaces and be like oh I remember he used to be in his little stroller and he was sleeping there and I had him strapped on my back when I was sautéing vegetables and, you know, like he is definitely a restaurant baby for sure, through and through. Okay, let's make some apple pie. You can find the ingredients you'll need on our website. Just click on the recipes tab and you'll find a list, as well as some really beautiful images of Suzanne and the dinette, and then you can cook along with her. Yeah, so I'm peeling right now um, six. We're going to start with six uh, Granny Smith apples. Um, I think she liked working with the Granny Smith apples more than, like, say, Red Delicious or Macintosh because, you know, with, with Granny Smith, it's got it's a great baking apple. It's got a bit of tartness. It's got a bit of sweetness. It really holds up really well in a pie because it doesn't break down into mush as maybe, say, another apple would. It's just got this really strong durability um, in the flesh that is, is awesome in this pie. Um, so we're, I'm peeling off all the skin. You know, we used to make this, this dish together with my sister every Sunday. Like, it was kind of like, if we didn't have this, then we may have had, like, a store-bought pie. But when we had the apples, the Granny Smith apples that I'm peeling right now, it was like, oh, okay, I guess we're making Dutch apple pie today. And... Um, you know, that I think she would give us all of the busy work while she was able to kind of do other things like tend to the chicken, work on the, the rice and peas, making sure that wasn't burning and or cutting potatoes or whatever else we were going to have for dinner that night. But my sister and I had the busy jobs. So, you know, starting with like, you know, peeling all the apples, my sister would get the flour together. She would measure out the sugar. Um, she'd measure out the cinnamon and everything else that my mom put in there. And, uh, yeah, and then once we had everything done, then she would come back and, and say, okay, now let's go to the stove. And so, it, 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 you know, in theory, my mom never worked in the professional kitchen in her life, nor did she ever want to become a chef, not to my knowledge. <laughs> she definitely knew what it took to, you know, give her sous chefs the jobs that they needed to do as the head chef was doing other more important things and then we would work together as a family to kind of bring this pie together so 
I think the sentimental connection that I have with this pie is working with my mom and my sister, you know, and bringing this to, to life and enjoying it as a family. And then we're going to get our knives out and I think I'm just gonna do a slice on them and have them slice them into, you can either do cubes or you can do a bit of like a half moon kind of thing. All right. So I'm cutting around the core. So you actually get four sides off of this apple, right? And then I'm just gonna do a nice thin slice so that you're basically having half moon slices of apple. I have my mixing bowl next to me and I'm just gonna toss those in and I'll continue to cut the rest of my pieces. Can you think of, a, of one of your favorite eating experiences? Do you have any, like, just like, wow, that was some sort of life-changing eating experience? Um, I guess for me, the one that will always stand out really, really sharply in my mind is um, being that I have had the opportunity of traveling a bit with, within this industry and working um, as someone's private chef. I lived in Paris with a family and um, I, uh, I was, had decided that I really wanted to have like a, an amazing dining experience and I was like, okay, let me find a restaurant um, that I want to go to and so I started looking around and I found like Guy Savoy which is a very expensive uh, very like award-winning restaurant in Paris they had like a special um, lunchtime um, offering of a hundred dollars hundred euros to come and dine and like have a meal at the restaurant so I actually lived not too far from the Guy Savoy so I made a reservation and I had um, four hours off from between working for my clients and their dinner and lunch service so I was like I'm gonna go so I got dressed I put on a, like a you know too fancy put on a dress I arrived before I could even get into the restaurant the door opens and it's a sliding like sliding door opens and the uh, concierge immediately says to me welcome Miss Barr and I was like wait what how do you know my name and you know, they, that's, it's their business to know everyone's name who's coming into their restaurant. And it began. It began from there to it being a f truly a four-hour experience of a lifetime. Um, the head chef, um, he was there. He came out, you know, was table-touching everybody, came to my table, and I was by myself and came over, said some things in French. I just smiled and nod, because I don't know French, but I was just like, okay, I'm going with this. And I think I had mentioned to maybe the maitre d' that like, if there was an opportunity for me to go into the kitchen and just see the kitchen, that would be amazing. And, and sure enough, at a point in the break of my meal, this four hour, like eight course meal, they took me to the back into the kitchen and I walked into like this, the most beautiful kitchen I've ever seen in my life. The most calm and clean, pristinely clean kitchen. I, I just was, my mouth dropped, copper pots everywhere, 
induction everywhere. Chefs with the tall white caps on, working, focused, busy brunch lunch service, and just moving so swiftly, like like just as if they all knew they had the, all the same song in their head and everyone knew to move to the left or to the right. It was just all in sync and in unison. It was awesome. got a couple more apples to go and I think next what we're gonna do is we're gonna actually grab the pot and we're gonna put these in and soften these a bit with a little bit of water and then in the meantime while that's just softening on the stovetop I'm gonna get the flour mixed with the cinnamon and nutmeg and all the other spices and sugar and we're gonna get the topping together and then we'll start to build this delicious pie. All right, just about maybe a half a cup of water with those apples and the slice in the pot on the stove top. Grab some butter. And put some, melt some butter so that we can pour this over our flour with our spices for our topping. So Suzanne used about a half a cup of butter. She put it on the stove to melt until it started to brown. And at this point, you're also gonna gather your dry ingredients. So the flour, the brown sugar, the cinnamon, the nutmeg, and the salt. So how much flour do you have in there? So I have three cups of flour in my bowl. And I'm gonna take a half a cup of sugar brown sugar to be exact. I think there was always this myth in my house that brown sugar must be better for you, so better than white sugar. And apparently it's certainly actually not true, it's almost worse. <laughs> so I'm packing it really tightly in my one cup measuring. And I'm doing a full cup, but I'm pressing it in to probably get maybe about three fourths a cup. Um, and the reason why I'm overpacking it a bit, just, you know, if I want to add a little bit extra, that's okay. I think that you're not, it's not going to hurt you to have a little extra sugar. <laughs> it only makes this dish a little bit more special. All right, so now that it's nice and packed, I'm just going to break it, crumble it right on top, and I'll reserve that extra quarter cup in the measuring, and then I'll grab my my nutmeg and I'm gonna do a teaspoon of nutmeg right on top and we'll do a tea two teaspoons of cinnamon that my mom never used to do 
but I do now is the power of salt when you're baking, it really makes a difference. <laughs> like you really can taste the difference of what salt can, how it opens up the flavor and really, really helps develop that, that, that what you were making into like bringing all the flavors together and it almost pops it. It really, really pops your food that much more. So I'm gonna put a teaspoon of salt for this recipe right in on top with everything else. Browner than I wanted, but that's okay. And I stir my apples. So we're not looking to have the apples too cooked. Just soften them a bit. Wow, the smell is even reminding Thanksgiving. So you're gonna let that butter cool for a little while, and you're gonna have all the dry ingredients in the bowl, and you're gonna mix those together. I'm just going to use my hand and just mix it all up because that's what we used to do. We never, ever, ever use spatulas and special tools. Always your hand. Always your hand. You can feel your way. I think that's a big thing that my mom always said with baking that she remembered as a kid is that Baking, there's there's a bit of confidence in baking that comes from feeling it more than tasting it because it's it the process doesn't just it doesn't finish in the bowl it actually finishes in the oven and it takes time when you're baking versus like when you're cooking you can kind of like you know make something and taste as you go you're like oh the flavors are developing with baking sometimes like the flavors change completely when it comes out of the oven because you're working with flour and baking soda, baking powder, that doesn't necessarily taste so good in the beginning, but it tastes amazing once it's complete and it's out of the oven, so. All right, so little chunks of sugar are okay. It doesn't have to be completely, because they'll just get broken up once you pour that butter in. And so we're good to go with that. So now let's grab the butter. I'm using a bit of brown butter, so it's just kind of melting your butter a little bit longer than actually just melting it. Just getting, picking up some color, and make sure you get all of those brown bits. Those are good bits that you want. Okay. Alright, I'm going to turn my apples off, and I'm going to give this whole thing a little stir now with my spatula. I wouldn't advise you to use your hands with this because it's kind of hot. <laughs> it's kind of hot. All right. I remember making this one time with my mom and I was like, but it's so, how is this gonna taste good? It's like, it's still so flowery. It just looks so like, there's no, it's not, the color hasn't changed and it's like, it's so doughy, like, isn't it gonna not taste good? And she's like, just be patient, be patient. All right. So now I'm just gonna use my hands a bit to break up some of these chunks of butter. And so, I just wanted to kind of take a 
you'll see that the brown sugar, the cinnamon, the nutmeg has changed that that light shade of of off white of your flower if you're using white bleach flower, that white to more of a tan. And you'll have those crumbles, those those large crumbles of butter and sugar that are in your topping for your pie, and that's okay. It does look like a crumble kind of. Yeah. Yeah, like I think that this recipe was probably based off of a, almost like of a, a fruit crumble or an apple or something of that sort. But once we get it all in the pie pan that's already been wonderfully pre-made by Keebler, Ready Crust. Keebler Elves. <laughs> the Keebler Elves always reminded me of um, the Smurfs when I was yeah. like a yeah. kid. Like I just see that packaging and I would just get so excited because my sister and I loved Saturday morning cartoons. Was our, that was our only time to like wake up a little early mm-hmm. and sit in our nightgowns and just watch cartoons. All right, well, I've just taken my little plastic insert out and I've got my pre-made pie crust. I'm gonna grab my apples that are nice and soft. So that remaining sugar that we have, I'm gonna suggest that we put that sugar on those apples. Because, you know, Granny Smith's, they don't have the same amount of sugar as any other apples, so I think this might be a good opportunity to not waste those extra that extra bit of sugar that we have. So I'll just stir that around. And now take your pie and let's fill our pie with our apples. Don't worry about that excess water, that's actually a good thing. So the natural sugar and all the liquid. My mom was never shy about packing this too high or too low or saving the apples. She was like, just get it all in there. Now I'm seeing this, and the reason why she probably always did this is because it's such an easy recipe. Like, it's just, it really, really is. All right, so now I'm going to start packing on the topping right on top. And patting it down. weird to make this because I'm like it's all coming it's some of this is making sense like even like her calling it a Dutch apple pie like I think about like a Dutch oven like you're building like this like encapsulating these cooked apples in this little covering that's like kind of slowly cooking it and Mm -hmm. the butter has been melted and it's gonna slowly cook in the oven for probably about 40 minutes and it's gonna come out hard, like almost like a salt crusted something. But we're protecting these apples covered by this flour that's gonna become like this nice crusty wall that's gonna just make them sweet and delicious and creamy pie when it comes out and just some delicious, delicious ice cream with it. Just packing, packing, packing. I think she would be proud. <laughs> I think she would be really proud. 
did she do this part or did you do it? Did you we did it together, it? Yeah. yeah. My sister and I would just kind of watch her. I mean, we didn't have stools in our kitchen. We just kind of usually were standing up and doing this stuff. Like, you know, she might put us on the countertop sitting on our bums. But she would kind of, because it was a bit messy, and she didn't want us to make the house more messy, because it's Sunday. She doesn't have time to clean again. Saturday was cleaning day. <laughs> and I would always think, like, oh, but what about the cracks? Because you'll start to see, like, some cracks happening, because it's, you know, the flower is kind of dry. And she'd be like, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's almost good. But it has the cracks. Just keep patting all of this flower down, and you do want to use all of it. And it just looks like it's crazy. Remember the, the popcorn? Um, those yes. Jiffy Pop. Jiffy Pop, yeah. It almost kind of looks like when the Jiffy Pop gets nice and potful, and popcorn's in there, and it's ready to be open. All right, so we are all of our flour, anything that's dropped off, that's okay. Ready to go into the oven. The oven's been set at 350. I'm just gonna put a tray underneath. Is just being, uh, knowing any, anything in an oven, you should just always be, in, just in case. <laughs> Think about the prospect of having to clean that oven out, and I'm like, I cleaned that oven already last weekend. So, on the tray, in the oven, I'm going to say 40 minutes, and I'm going to put it on the top shelf, not the bottom shelf. There we go. Now, this is probably going to be, it's going to come out a little different because in my house, we had electric ovens, mm -hmm. and this is a gas oven, and 350 in a gas oven is definitely way more, it's a little bit, the, the heat difference, so I might suggest if you're in an electric oven, maybe put it at 375, just so that you can um, really kind of get closest to what um, what I'm creating here today in our kitchen, in the professional kitchen that we're at, at. So, um, yeah. Clean up time was the time that my sister and I used to sing, clean up time, clean up time. And uh, yeah. I can't believe I just made that. <laughs> Happy Sunday night dinner, everyone. This podcast is produced by Suzanne Hancock, music by JJ Ibsen. Huge thanks to Suzanne Robertson and to Suzanne Barr. You can check out the Saturday Dinette website to find out more about Suzanne, more about the Dinettes program, and what's on the menu right now. See you in a couple of weeks.